Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We're in Genesis 26, so take your Bible, open it up there. Like Father, like Son is the name of the message. We are going to get most of our information about the life of Isaac in this particular chapter. Um, if you have read the book of Genesis or studied through it before, you know that the first part of Genesis is pretty much enveloped in the life of Abraham. And then the uh, middle portion of the book is all about Jacob. And then when we get towards the end of the book, it'll be pretty much about Joseph. So when we think about this son of promise, his name Isaac means laughter, we think, well, you know, what happened with him? We know about his miracle birth. We, we know the story of Genesis 22 when dad took probably a late teenage boy up on the mountain and was going to sacrifice him. I would imagine that Isaac needed years of counseling after that. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Something like this, having dinner, I would ask dad, were you really going to kill me? I think that would be a question that would be resonating in my soul. Anyway, but uh, we don't have a whole lot of details about Isaac's life except for Genesis 26. So that's what we got tonight. And we're going to see like father, like son in the sense of this. We're going to see him blessed by God. And we're also going to see Isaac repeat the blunders of his father. Both the blessings and the blunders. And so... Uh, if you're a parent here tonight, grandparent, you kind of know how this works. You know that our children watch us, and we leave an inevitable imprint on them, their souls. We leave a legacy. And I think that, you know, when we think about legacy, sometimes we can have a negative thought right away and think, well, I'm not sure what my legacy is. But Abraham actually left a legacy of faith. In fact, in Romans 4, verse 12, we're told to follow in the footsteps of Abraham. And there's an old story, you know, it's, it's from years back where the son says to the father as they're going up a mountain, you know, Dad, uh, careful where you step because I'm following in your footsteps. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful to be together tonight. We're grateful to be able to sit before your holy word and know that it's going to be profitable for us tonight. The real key is what kind of soil are we and whether our ears are open to what you would say to us tonight. I pray, Lord, that we'd set aside every distraction that we've brought into this place, that we would be ready to receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls, but it's also able to build us up. And I pray that that would happen tonight, that you'd meet us here in a powerful way around this Bible text, and that since you've already spoken it, I just pray that it'll speak to our hearts and we'll respond in the way that you want us to respond. We pray for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Like Father, like Son, Genesis 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So there was a famine in the land, verse 1, and the, the reader is encouraged to remember a previous famine, and the previous famine was back in the days of Abraham, Isaac's dad. 
And when there was a famine in the land, this, is, this story is told in chapter 12, so it's way back in our story, Abraham went down to Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. In time of famine, what Abraham decided to do, at this time he's Abram, is he decided to go to the south. He decided to go to the land of Egypt. And the reason he went there is because it was a famine and because the Nile was known to always be filled with water and be able to sustain life. And so this is what Abraham did, or Abram at that time did. And he went down to Egypt, and when he did, he made a big blunder. You remember, he lied about his wife, and he said, she's actually my sister. That was kind of a half-truth, you know, one of those half-lies that we think we can get away with, right? And so um, that did not go well. And, uh, you know, even though God blessed Abraham despite that, there was some tough sledding and some tough lessons to be learned. And even though Abraham is held up as the father of the faithful in the New Testament, and his blunders are not mentioned in the New Testament, which is a great encouragement to all of us, there's still lessons that sons and daughters watch parents um, teach. And our sons and daughters especially watch us in times of famine. They especially watch us in times of pressure. They wonder if our faith is going to be good in those times. And we lead not only in times of plenty, we lead not only in times when life is good or we're trying to teach little life lessons, we lead in times of pressure as well. And I think our kids really want to know, is our faith real in those times? Or do we respond like everybody else does? Hold your place in Genesis 26 and turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, talking about footsteps. Psalm 40, the Psalms are a great place to go just to minister to your soul. Psalm 40, this is a Psalm of David, and here's what he writes regarding walking out your faith. Psalm 40, look at verse one. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Psalm 40, verse two. He brought me up out of a pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 4. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which thou hast done and thy thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Sacrifice and meal offering thou hast not desired, my ears thou hast opened. Burn offering and sin offering that thou hast not required. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me, this is about the Messiah, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. The psalm kind of moves from David to the Messiah. Go back to Genesis 26. And David says that you have made my footsteps firm. You've put a new song in my mouth. My footsteps always used to be to the world. When I was in time of crisis, I had my triggers like everybody else. I had my issues and my problems. And when I did, I looked for solutions in the world. I had really no place else to go. So that's what you did. Some people medicate themselves. Some people go and try to you know, burn off some steam doing this or that. Some people try to 
find solutions in, you know, self-help books and that kind of thing. And those are the kinds of things that you run to. You look for man's solutions to problems. And this is something that Abraham did, even though he had just been called by God and given promises by God, um, yet he uh, blundered in some of the chapters in the Old Testament. And yet he is a great example. It tells us we don't have to be perfect, but we need to be consistent. In 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We need human examples. We need people, men and women, that we can look up to. I, I don't know if you're in a discipleship relationship with someone right now, but you should be, it should be going both ways for all of us. We should be giving away discipleship to people and we should be receiving it from others. So you need to have it coming from both directions. I don't know where your life is right now, I don't know how you would assess your spiritual life, but hopefully you are discipling and being discipled. And if you're not, uh, or if you have it just going one way, that's something to work on. Psalm 119, 133 says, establish my footsteps in thy word. Do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. I was talking with a young man uh, recently, and we were talking about you know, just the struggle of the human life and how we deal with temptation and sin and how even after we become Christians, the Christian life can still be a struggle. And we were talking about 1 Corinthians 10, 13, how God is faithful and he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able, but he will provide a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. And then the Bible says, flee from idolatry. And we we're talking about, well, you know, um, God has grace for us and that's awesome, but we, we went to a verse in the book of James where it says that God gives greater grace. It says there, this is, just write this down for your notes. This is James 4, verses six and seven. It says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. And then the verse goes on to say, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. And in the middle of those verses, it says he gives greater grace. And there was kind of a light bulb that went off in that little Bible study. And the light bulb was this. I can get grace before I make a mistake? I thought grace was for after you blow it. I said, well, certainly grace is for after you make a mistake, but it's also for before. There's such a thing, write this down, as preemptive grace. My grace is sufficient for you, the Lord says to Paul, for my power is perfected in what? Weakness. Grace is a synonym in many contexts of the Bible for strength. Grace is another way to say God's strength. And if you want to have preemptive grace in your life, you get grace before you blow it. Oh, it's wonderful. It's kind of like taking vitamins before you're sick, working out before you're overweight. Can I get a witness? <laughs> yeah. 
And so this is the key to our walk. It's to be prepared for what's going to come your way during the normal course of a day. Are you ever shocked by what comes your way? Are you ever surprised by you face maybe a dilemma, a famine, a moment of pressure, and you go the wrong way, and you're like, what in the world am I doing? And then you're able to track maybe the last couple of days with your devotional time, your Bible reading, and somebody asks you, when's the last time you read God's word? 1992, you know. It's not hard to figure out when we don't have the grace of God consistently coming into our lives. It's hard enough when you do. And so Isaac is going to face his own trial. He's going to get blessings and he's going to repeat some blunders. There's a famine in the land, Genesis 26, 1. And notice it, uh, Isaac goes down to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. If you want the geography, Gerar is kind of at the border of Egypt and the promised land. So he's heading south, and no doubt he's heading towards Egypt just like his dad did. Look at verse 2. And the Lord appeared to him, verse 2, and said, Genesis 26, 2, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Now, Abraham did a dumb thing. He went down to Egypt. He got himself in trouble. And God intervenes. The Lord appeared to Isaac as he was heading down to repeat daddy's mistake. Have you ever had a moment like that? You're heading down to the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time, going for the wrong solution, and you get this epiphany. Maybe it's something on the radio. Maybe you're driving around in your car. Maybe it's a Saturday night and you're flipping channels and a preacher is talking to you. And it feels like it's just you and that preacher's in the passenger seat. Ever been there before? Something like this. Whatever you're going to do right now, don't do it. <laughs> you see, this is how God works. He can be this specific with us. And this is... A theophany, this is the first time that God ever, that we have recorded at least, that ever God speaks directly to Isaac. Now, Isaac was up on Mount Moriah when God spoke to Abraham and provided the uh, offering. But this is the first time that Isaac has his own encounter with the direct voice of God. And God says, don't go to the world. If you want the typology, Egypt is a type of the world a picture of the world. God says, I know it's a famine, but don't go there. Don't repeat the blunder of your dad. Don't do what your dad did. And sometimes us dads and moms, we try to sit down at, at tables with our kids and we say, okay, don't do what I did here, right? And some of them do heed that counsel. Young people do want to hear from us. They do want to hear our life experiences. Unfortunately, not all of them listen. Some of them have to learn the hard way. We all seem to learn some things the hard way. God says, don't do what your dad did. Egypt proved to be a problem for your papa, if I could put it this way. And so don't do that. Don't go down to Egypt. Are you there right now? Are you pondering a a move towards the world because maybe it's a time of pressure. Maybe it's a time of famine. I think God would say the same thing to us. Don't do it. 
We know that God appeared about eight times to Abraham, and twice in this chapter he will appear to his son Isaac. Here's what God says. He says, verse 3, Genesis 26, Sojourn in the land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands. I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Stay here, and I will bless you. Another way to say this is, I will provide for you. When we get in times of difficulty financially, for example, and things are tough, and all of a sudden we're trying to find financial solutions, that can be a real time of pressure. And God reassures Abraham here, I'm going to walk you through this. In fact, he repeats the original promise he gave to his father. He says, for I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and will give your descendants all these lands. I don't know if anybody heard Focus on the Family today. Raise up your hand if you did. You didn't? Okay. Anyway, there's a guy being interviewed, and he said that um, he had become a Christian. He had a few kids, and he went to some meeting, and there was some guy that supposedly had a prophetic gift. And so the guy went forward for prayer, and the prayer that this man with the alleged prophetic gift, as the, this is the way that the uh, the guy being interviewed put it, said, your children are going to be as the stars of the heaven. And this guy was already cynical about this whole thing, and, and he laughed, him, and he said, like, I have a couple of kids, and I'm not sure we're having any more, and yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's false. Well, anyway, through time, the course of time, this guy felt a call to ministry, and he, got, he felt a call to China, and he ended up getting, this is a very, uh, you know, abridged version of the story, but he ended up getting this call to China, and he specifically got involved in orphan ministry. And the statistics now say that he's probably been involved in some sort of ministry to over 300,000 children. And he said he looked back at that moment when that man prayed over him, and the interviewer said, you know, to the naked eye, I know there's more than this, but there's about 40,000 stars visible to the naked eye, and you've <laughs> helped 300,000 children. And he goes, yeah, you know, and, and look, we gotta put all this in its proper context, and not everybody who says they have a word for us may, it may be from God, but he says that was from God. And I didn't know what God was gonna do with me at that time. And so here's what he says. He says, I am going to bless you. This is the promise. Isaac, then you know, uh, Jacob and Esau come, as we saw in the last chapter, and then, of course, Jacob will become Israel. And he says, by your descendants, notice verse 4, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham, see, God says, I will multiply, I will give, but then look at Abraham's response in verse 5. You might want to mark this because Abraham obeyed me, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Look, it is God that calls. It is God that has prepared good works beforehand, but you and I need to walk in them. And if you don't walk in the good works that God has prepared beforehand, then you can become like Jonah. He might prepare a custom-made vehicle for you to return to your calling, Amen? Might be wet, maybe dark. You may end up with a seaweed hat. You may end up smelling very fishy. We don't know. You may lose your tan. 
Or it may be that God just allows you to go off and do what you want to do and you lose decades. I talk to people all the time who become Christians or rededicated later in life and they, and they are bummed at the years that they lost. So Isaac lived in Gerar, verse 6. Gerar actually means halting place, which is interesting. The famine was regional. It probably included Gerar, which, is, which was Philistine country, kind of on the border of Egypt and the promised land. But Isaac parked in Gerar. And interestingly enough, the second blunder of his own dad was at this place. He lied about his wife again. He didn't learn from the Egypt situation in Genesis 12. So in Genesis 20, when he's faced with Abimelech and this situation, he lies about it again. And God came to Abimelech in a dream and said to Abimelech, that woman is married and if you touch her, you're dead. You want to talk about a dream? That's a dream. Get up and have your cornflakes a little early and you know, try to find this guy. Say, what's going on? And in both instances, unbelievers had to rebuke mighty Abraham and say something like this, why did you lie to me, man? What did we do to you? And the response both times was, I was afraid. I didn't think there was any fear of the Lord here. I thought you people were going to kill me. My wife's pretty. And so the unbelievers had to rebuke the believer the father of the faithful was rebuked by two pagan kings. Ever been there before? Ever had a boss who's an unbeliever have to call you to account and he or she was right? Ouch. Yeah, it hurts. But those are good life lessons, aren't they? <laughs> we have great promises, but we have to walk in the promises. We need to respond. Go all the way to 2 Peter 1 in the New Testament. All the way getting close to Revelation. Second Peter 1. The promises are God's, but there is a response that we have as believers. And we shouldn't be making, you know, uh, sometimes people make these false uh, distinctions, which I don't see in the Scripture. Look at Second Peter 1, verse 3. This talks about God's promises and our response. Second Peter 1, 3. Seeing that his divine power, God's, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, 2 Peter 1, 3, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he, God, has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, and certainly Abraham and Isaac had those, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. We're not little gods, but God lives in us. That's the essence of the verse. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. 2 Peter 1.5. Now for this reason also, because you have these incredible promises and calling from God, applying all diligence in your faith, supply, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. In your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. In your godliness, brotherly kindness. In your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Turn back to Genesis 26. 
There is a response to God's calling. I called you, my laws, my call, but Abraham obeyed me. Abraham did what I told him to do, not perfectly, but certainly consistently. You and I, brothers and sisters, have a response to God's call in our life. It's not gonna happen by accident. We're gonna have moments when uh, you know, God is making that call more and more clear and it is for us to respond to that call with obedience. There's no substitute for obedience. Obedience is largely where the blessings are found. Now, sometimes we get blessed and God you know, does things even when we don't pray for them, but God wants our obedience. Greetings, listening family. This is Oscar Santa Cruz, and I'm here with Pastor Michael. We just heard a message on Genesis chapter 26. And Pastor Michael, there, is there anything concerning chapter 26 you would like to reiterate or go over and share with us? That anything that may be applicable to us that we can take away from this study? Well, the first part, Oscar, of Genesis 26, which you mentioned before we went on air, um, you have the the promise, the covenant promise repeated to Isaac, which he was the son of promise and he gets the promise and then he's faced with a very similar situation as his father was, which is, you know, he's in a kind of a foreign area and he's faced with, you know, whether or not they're going to be attracted to his wife and what he should say about her. Mm-hmm. And in what what I would call a pivotal moment in life, he he lies about her because of fear. And that lie then is exposed uh, by, call it the unbelievers that are around. And in, in many ways, Oscar, um, we're, we're faced with the same thing every day. We, you, you may, um, I know you do, but our listeners may be working in what we would call a secular environment. And so every day you're faced with situations and interactions and that kind of thing. And and uh, pivotal moments come along. And if you let fear drive your response and don't trust God, often it can lead to bad circumstances. And here in the first part of Genesis 26, um, Isaac is actually called out by the king of the Philistines, Abimelech. And he said, you could have brought great shame and great, you know, even brought judgment to us because of what you did. And sometimes an unbeliever, Oscar, calls us out Mm. and says, we're not acting like Christians. And, you know, uh, I think we've all probably been there before. And when when it happens to you, you're kind of like gulp. Or, or, you know, there's always that one, uh, through our fear of man, we may have uh, come up with a bad decision to do contrary to what we uh, believe in. And someone could ask, I thought you were a Christian. And that can be hurtful. And it's just like, well, you can't say anything against that accusation because it hurts and it's true. Yes. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona 
or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.